0: From John chapter 1, verses 19 to 34. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one who do not know. You do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him, except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Caroline. It would be a great help to me if you would keep your Bibles open at page uh, 1063. And before we start, we'll ask God to help us to understand this passage. Dear Father, as we start our series in John's Gospel, would you teach us this morning something of who it is that you sent your Son And what it means for our lives together. Amen. Our society, and I suspect even more so our media, can become obsessed with making the events around us sound ever so important. Probably a little bit more important than they really are. So, Leicester winning football's Premier League is described as the greatest achievement ever in the history of team sport. The EU referendum is billed as a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity. You've heard the phrase, haven't you, where people say, I was there when... whatever. Well, this morning, we begin a new sermon series in the early chapters of John's gospel, starting where Caroline read in chapter one after the famous Christmas prologue. And over the next few weeks, we'll look together at the first five chapters of John. Two things we need to remember whenever we read John's gospel, his position and his purpose. John's position is eyewitness, very, very close to the events that he records. The Gospel is written by the Apostle John, son of Zebedee, Galilean fisherman, disciple and close friend of Jesus. He writes of what he saw and what he heard. However, he also has purpose. He organises his material with a very specific purpose in mind. The overriding concern of John's Gospel is to tell us about the person of Jesus, whose life and mission are seen as the central events of all of history bigger than Leicester, bigger than Brexit, bigger than presidents or prime ministers or archbishops or Elvis. John says, I was there. I was there. When Jesus Christ, Son of God, walked the earth. When he turned water into wine, I was there. When he fed 5,000 men, I was there. When he raised Lazarus from the tomb, when he himself was crucified, when he rose again, I was there, says John. And I've written an eyewitness account to leave for you so that you too may know these things. So as we gather together for each of the next few weeks, um, John will be uh, taking us on in chapter one next week and then Bernie the week after in the beginning of chapter two. These early chapters of John are designed to answer the question, who is this Jesus? And so as we study together over the next few weeks, our prayer is that through our study we all of us will gain an understanding of who Jesus is. And we begin this morning, who is Jesus? The testimony of John the Baptist. So the Apostle John begins his gospel with another John. John the Baptist. And who this John says that Jesus is. That's our passage that Caroline read this morning. John the Baptist, son of Elizabeth and Zechariah, second cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist is a very, very big deal in first century Palestine. Sometimes 2,000 years later, I think we lose the sense of what a big character John the Baptist is. Huge crowds travel long distances to hear him teaching in the wilderness. He is a religious superstar operating outside of the religious establishment of the Jerusalem temple and the Pharisees. And he comes at a time when in Israel there is heightened expectation and awareness about the possibility of a coming Messiah, God's long-promised king. And so in this context, what John the Baptist has to say about himself and about Jesus is important. The Baptist is clear that he himself is not that Messiah. But rather, quoting Isaiah 40. Verse 3, as Steve really helpfully picked up for us in song. John says he is the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Note for a second the humility of John. A religious superstar whom thousands of people are traveling miles to come and hear, And he says he's just a voice. He's not even an actor in this drama. But if he is the voice of Isaiah 40, then really importantly the promised Messiah, the Christ, the King, is not at all far behind. That's the importance of John the Baptist. I am just a voice, but your king is very close indeed, says John. And indeed, according to verse 29, the very next day, Jesus appears at Bethany across the Jordan where John the Baptist is teaching. And there, in the second part of our reading, John says two things about this Jesus, which are very helpful to his original listeners and indeed to us this morning, as we begin to identify who Jesus is. We'll take them in reverse order. So at the end of our passage in verse 33, John says, Jesus is he on whom you see the Holy Spirit descend and remain. Jesus is the one on whom the Spirit remains. What this means is that Jesus is different from every other religious character or leader through history. In particular, he's different from all the ones that... Israel will have witnessed before in the pages of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit descends. Contrary to popular opinion, there is lots of references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But the descent of the Spirit in the Old Testament on people like uh, Samson, on people like King David, is temporary, almost temporary. Spasmodic as the way that the text is, is written. But now on Jesus, the, the spirit descends as a dove and remains. John is clearly saying that Jesus is different from other religious leaders and characters. And he's different because his relationship with God the Father is fundamentally different such that when the Spirit is sent, the Spirit remains on Jesus. But then who is he? Who is this Jesus? Well, I'm sure you didn't miss it as Caroline was reading. John the Baptist introduces him with a really slightly strange title in verse 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So over the next few weeks, as we ask ourselves, who is this Jesus? The first answer we get out of John's Gospel is he is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. How are we to understand this? How would John, have us interpret. Well, as so often in the Bible, and as you will have heard me say many times before, so often the interpretive lens, if you like, for the New Testament is the old. In one sense, John the Baptist is the last in the line of Old Testament prophets, men appointed by God to point to the Christ. Isaiah, whom we've already read, Um, these are the days of Ezekiel, these are the days of Elijah, these are the days of John the Baptist, and what do these days do? They point forward towards the coming Christ. And so if we think of Lamb of God in our Old Testament, I think there are three lambs that can explain what John is getting at here from passages which most of us will know actually quite well. So first, there is the reading that we so often hear on Good Friday from Isaiah 53, where Isaiah's suffering servant, the Christ that Isaiah is pointing forward to, is described as being led like a lamb to the slaughter. Second, there's the Passover lamb of Exodus chapter 12 the spotless lamb, sacrificed, whose blood was painted on doorposts and lintels so that the angel of death would pass over the homes of God's people as he brought judgment on Pharaoh and Egypt in the story of Exodus. But thirdly, and I think personally most pertinently of all, There is the lamb caught in the thicket when Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac in Genesis 22. This lamb is the fulfillment of some of the most haunting words in all scripture. If you know the story as Abraham and Isaac are climbing the mountain, firewood, on Isaac's back, he asks his father, Where is the sacrifice? And Abraham provides, uh, replies, God Himself will provide the lamb. And so He does. So from these three Old Testament lambs. The lamb of God that John the Baptist speaks of is a lamb that will die. A lamb that will die as a substitute for other people. That's what the suffering servant did. That's what the Passover lamb was all about. That's what the lamb caught in the thicket in Genesis 22 did. The Lamb of God will die in place of other people. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As we begin through these few weeks to think about who Jesus is, as early as John chapter 1, John would point us to the cross that we cannot understand who Jesus is without reference to the cross. Jesus is provided by God, John would say, to die in our place. To save us from our sins. For the forgiveness of sins, to take away the sins of the world... Not just Isaacs, not just the Israelites, but all of our sins. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is provided by God to die as my substitute. To pay the price for my sins. And as we close this morning, what response is required of us? To the God who provides the Lamb. What response was required of Abraham and Isaac? What response was required of the Israelites at the Passover? Simply to believe, to trust, and to obey. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen.